0: You know nothing, Jon Snow. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster and today's Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is also brought to you by DraftKings. Use the promo code LOFB to play for $10,000 free with your first deposit. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. We are here to talk about Sunday's games in the NBA. We're going to preview Monday's games. We're going to look at the week ahead to help set your um, weekly lineup strategies, your head-to-head daily strategies. And I'm also going to recap what happened over the weekend as well, the important stuff. Anyway, so... Let's get to it, to it. But before we do get into all that, just a quick note again. I had, I have mentioned it two, three times maybe on the podcast and I have mentioned it a couple of times on Twitter, but I still was inundated with questions across the weekend. Where's the pod? Where's, what's wrong with my, is, is my app not refreshing? Is my feed broken? Where's the pod on the weekend? I have, I'll say it again for you guys who did miss it the first couple of times. This season, I won't be doing weekend pods. I won't be doing Saturday or Sunday pods. Uh, the reason is again, I went into more detail with this maybe last week or the week before is I just couldn't keep doing it for seven days a week. I've been doing it seven days a week. This is the fifth season of the podcast, and I just had basically zero time at all. Now, the, the podcast might be an hour and 20 minutes, might be an hour and a half, but that's not how long it takes to do a podcast. It's an hour and a half of doing the podcast. It's editing. It's uh, posting. It's writing up the article to go with it. It's doing the work on Basketball Monster as well. It's preparing for the podcast, preparing the graphics for the video, preparing all the stuff that I'm going to say, doing the research. So it, it takes a ton of time and have no time... Um, and I need to devote some time, yeah, you know, to doing stuff outside of basketball as well. Uh, otherwise, yeah, you know, after doing it for four seasons, yeah, a, a burnout is a, is a real potential issue. And I obviously don't want to do that. I want the podcast to continue, so we'll only be doing five shows a week, not the seven. I know that will, I know that absolutely zero people will be happy about that because I do enjoy listening over the weekend, but. The numbers show that about 50% less people listened on the weekend anyway. So some of you, it doesn't impact at all, but that's just the way that, that it is going to have to be. Otherwise, I couldn't, I couldn't commit to doing it seven days a week, unfortunately. Otherwise, the energy, the passion, the information, it just wouldn't have been there. And eventually I would have had to, you know, at some point, I would have felt like I had to stop doing the podcast. Um, and that's clearly not what I wanted to do. So for those people who didn't hear that announcement the first time, there it is again, there will be no weekend pods unless something major goes down, then you might get a short five minute, a ten minute to break down a huge injury or a massive trade or something like that. that's what that's what we'll do. But for now, there will be no regular podcasts across the weekend, but what I will endeavor to do on these Sunday night Monday morning shows is recap the, I guess the major takeaways across the weekend and I'll incorporate that into the game reviews and the game previews when talking about those teams and you know, stuff that may have happened over the weekend. So try and cover all thirty teams on the Monday podcast incorporating what sort of stuff went down uh on Friday and on Saturday's action so so that is the way that we are going to be a uh, going to be covering it all the way that I'm going to be covering the way you're going to be listening to me cover it as well so let's uh let's start doing that and these again I'm going to talk about the teams that played on Sunday so all six of those teams are going to be talking about the 16 teams that play on Monday, in the daily preview section, just talking about yeah, if there's any interesting information that happened with them. But at the start of this show, what I'll do is go through the teams that either neither played on uh, on Sunday or or don't play Monday, and talk about any sort of information that that may be important for us to note that went down uh, that went down on um, across the weekend. One thing before we do get into that. Into that, though, is today the news came down that Earl Watson has been fired by Phoenix. Fair enough. He should never have been hired in the first place. He was horrendous basically from the first time he was given that interim coaching gig. The fact that he was given that job because Tyson Chandler and PJ Tucker said, oh, come on, come on, we like him. And they went, you know what? Let's not interview anyone else. Let's get this bloke in there. Even though his idea of offense was playing Alex Lynn and Tyson Chandler together. So that pretty much should have told you all you needed to know about that. Just horrendous de- decision after horrendous decision from Earl Watson, and he is gone after three insipid performances from the Phoenix Suns. And so many people are like, what's this going to mean? Oh, I don't know. The-, the Suns play on Monday. And I imagine that not a massive, massive amount changes in that first game, but You clearly want to hold on to Marquise Chris to see what this does. You hold TJ Warren. You hold Joshie Jackson. A lot of people are going, do I go and add Tyler Eulis given the fact that Eric Bledsoe said that he doesn't want to be here, and then 20 minutes later, Earl Watson got fired. Do I add Tyler Well At the moment, Tyler Eulis is the third-string point guard. Now, does Jay Triano come in and go, well, Tyler should be our backup point guard? You know me, I really like Tyler Euless. I think he can be one of the best point backup point guards in the league. I also don't think he's a starting caliber point guard. He might get that opportunity. But if Bledsoe does get traded, who's to say a point guard doesn't come back uh, in that trade and you know, jump into that starting point guard role? So I think stashing Euless now might be a little bit um, premature. A, Bledsoe hasn't been traded. B, he is the third string guy and he's not getting minutes. And I don't think adding Mike James is necessarily the smartest way to go about uh, getting your lineup out there as well. So there are a, a few different things that people are talking about. But Alex Len is a good guy to go and add if they're going to finally give those minutes to him instead of Tyson Chandler. He looks much better than Chandler. Yeah, you know, Chris Warren Jackson and hopefully it increases some of the numbers for Eric Bledsoe. But we just don't know what uh, Triano is going to do with his Phoenix Suns team. But it feels safe to say that Tyson Chandler will lose some value. You might see a little bit more Chris. But remember, Marquis Chris is not very good. He's not a very good NBA player. He's a fantastic fantasy player. He is not a good NBA player. And there is a difference there. And if you become so bad of an NBA player that you can't get onto the court, well, it doesn't matter how good of a fantasy player you are because you're just not going to see those numbers. And we've seen that this season in, in the minutes that he's gotten. Yeah, the numbers have been okay, but he's just shit. And he just can't get on the court long enough. And we'll have to see where the triano goes. Well, let's just get him out there and run him those bigger minutes. Because they're running Josh Jackson at the four, will they run? A, want to run Chris as a permanent five? I, I just, I, I just don't know exactly how they're going to get all that stuff uh, happening. So um, it, it is something to pay some attention to and have a look if some of those sons are out there on your waiver wire. Let's go through the teams again that, that didn't play Sunday and won't play Monday, so I can talk a little bit about their weekend and what's important there. Rocket Rodney Hood did suffer a leg injury. There was fears that it was an Achilles initially, ended up being just a calf strain. Donovan Mitchell started in his place. He didn't look good. Um you know, With Rocket set to return, uh, hopefully pretty soon, I don't think there's much point in in 100% holding Mitchell. In some situations, you will, but it just depends who else is out there, but don't consider him a lock to hold. While Jingle and Joe is playing out of his brain at the moment, really killing it. Top 50 value at the moment. He should be added in all leagues. Rick Rubio, the ravishing one, he's looking really solid as well. The points have been fantastic the last two games from the ravishing one. The Portland Trail Blazers CJ McCollum is back and he's fine. Evan Turner is putting up some solid numbers. I'm not sure that they will necessarily continue, but with Alan Crabb now in Brooklyn, someone had to absorb some of that playing time, and Turner's doing a good job of it. I think that his assists can be really valuable. Al Farouk Aminu putting up some OK numbers as well. He wasn't so good in the uh, in the Blazers' last matchup. It did have a nice 16 rebound game across the weekend. He has some value with limited upside. While it appears that Zach Collins and Caleb Swanigan aren't going to be every night parts of the rotation. And it also appears to me that Col- Collins will be overtaking Swanigan. So if you if you added Swanigan in the preseason with hope that all his you know, great summer league form is going to translate into huge minutes, it, it clearly isn't. The Orlando Magic. So Nick Vucevic is a, a top five fantasy player so far this season. He has been on fire. He nailed six triples in a game the other day where he had forty one points. He's absolutely on fire. I was massive on him this season. Drafted him on, in a few leagues. Just think of the ridiculousness of Scott. Uh, not Scott, I was going to call him Scott Scott, was, uh, Frank Vogel benching him for Bismack Biombo last season. It was ludicrous at the time. It's ludicrous now. And Vuce is absolutely killing it. He's a, he's a comfortable top 50 guy. Um, yeah, I ended up getting him in, in quite a few leagues, sometimes pretty late, like in the 50s or 60s in, in some situations, which was fantastic for me to get him in that sort of a range. And he's got a real chance to be a top 30 player. Aaron Gordon with the ankle injuries missed the last two games. And John Isaac has started in his place. You know, I really love Isaac. He's shown some flashes, definitely. The minutes haven't quite been there with Mario Hazonia being the backup power forward. But Isaac, you know, showing that multi-categorical versatility that he's going to make him a very, very good dynasty player in coming seasons. Lord Alfred Payton also hurt his hamstring, I imagine, a couple of weeks out for, for Payton with the hammy. DJ Augustine will get the start, and Shelvin Mack will be the backup there. Augustine had 10 assists in that last game without Payton, and that can have some short-term value. We've seen him over the course of the last four to five seasons when he's been forced into a, a decent role. The stats come. He's not necessarily a good player, but he is going to put up some of those numbers. So have a look there. Well, Evan Fournier is returning to the form of, say, 2014-15, and he is a top 50 guy at the moment. And he's clearly owned everywhere, but just uh, this is not all that abnormal for Evan Fournier. The New York Knicks, Porzingis. Porzingis. He's been fantastic so far this season. Yeah, scoring at a huge rate, blocking shots, grabbing rebounds, doing pretty much everything. Willie Hernan Gomez out of the rotation. I don't see that changing really anytime soon. And remember, in 10 games time, Joakim Noah is going to be back. Just another center to bring into that rotation. Someone is going to have to... Two people are going to have to miss out. Now, Kylo Quinn has done his usual thing of putting up fantasy stats, which he always does. He might be a really short-term ad sort of a player. I just think the outlook for Hernan Gomez is really grim. Maybe if Hornacek goes, they uh, they uh put him back into to a, a backup role behind Cancer or they start him, but I feel like his upside is fairly capped as it is. People are really, really onto Hernan Gomez as his future star and all this. I don't really see it with him. I don't see him as being a future fantasy star either. I think that his upside is fairly limited. A lot of people also panicking on Tim Hardaway Jr. I'll tell you what he won't do. He won't shoot 29% from the field, which is what he's currently doing. He won't average 0.5 rebounds per game. He won't f- fail to get a steal all season. And these are all things that are really impacting his numbers. Piss poor shooting, no rebounds, no assists, no steals, horrible percentages. Like that's not going to continue. But the one thing you look at and you go, you know what? The minutes are there. Like I can look at Gorgi Jing and Greg Monroe and go, oh my God, like this is not going to work. Like these minutes are terrible and the path to minutes given the coaching is shithouse and they can go. Timmy's still getting 33 minutes a game and he is going to start shooting 46, 47% to even up that percentage. He'll have a few games where he gets hot. He'll start getting three or four assists a game or 1.5 steals. And you know what? His numbers will rocket back up so the minutes are there the shots are a little bit down because his confidence is not right but these other numbers will come so it is a great buy low opportunity if Hardaway happened to be uh, on the block you can get him for nothing perhaps um, trade Jagorgi Jing for him for someone who believes in Jing go and trade and get him back pick him up off the waiver wire because again you look at these numbers it's when we look at lots of different things and you go no way this continues like zero chance that he averages 0.5 rebounds in 30 plus minutes no way he shoots 29% no way he averages 0.0 steals like these these are literally impossibilities for that to happen for the course of the season so you know it's going to improve there is we had this with bob cove last season he was shooting like 17 percent from three for the first two weeks oh get this guy out of here he's terrible he's useless he's useless and he was a top 50 player this is the sort of stuff that happens when you look at things you go there is no way it happens on the good and on the bad side there's no way then there is no way and it will rectify and that'll happen with timmy the next one we look at is the L, and also say Los Angeles, but they prefer to be called the LA Clippers. Now, Milos Teodosic has a plantar fascia injury. He is out indefinitely. Woj did not uh specify the nature of that injury. I would expect two to three months for Milos at this point. You can drop him. Pat Beverly gets a boost. Lou Williams gets a boost. Austin Rivers gets a boost, but not enough for me to go, yeah, go and grab Austin in a 12-team league. He just is such a low volume stat accumulator in fantasy leagues. And with Beverly and Williams still there, it's not like he's going to be playing the 36 or 37 minutes that perhaps he needs. Deeper leagues, you want to really pay attention to Cinderius to Thornwell. You know I love Thornwell. You know I love Jawan Evans. Thornwell, I think, gets the bulk of these minutes um as they push Beverly, Rivers, and Williams to play more point guard. Even though Evans is a natural point guard, we haven't seen him yet. So I think that Thornwell, who's played in both the first two games, only eight minutes or so, but looked really good that he could find himself with 10, 11 minutes per game. And he is a really, really interesting, deeper league guy. It has to be pretty deep, 20 plus. But you know, I love him for dynasty. And this is going to be a real chance for him to showcase the sort of things he can do. The rooster, much like Timmy Hardaway, he's getting the minutes. The shots just aren't falling. Try and buy low on him if you can. And Blake Griffin's crushing it at the moment. You might think sell high, but... If you drafted him at 25 and he's currently like the eighth best guy, you're not getting a first round talent back for him. So why not just sit on it? Maybe he is a top 20 guy. There is a real chance of that. Well, I talked about that a lot in the preseason. He could be a top 20 guy. Just sit on it. Just, just don't be so quick to sell off on a guy like that. And when we talk sell highs and buy lows, like sell real high, buy real low. Don't go, Oh, my guys, he's, he's currently, like I drafted him at pick 70 and he's currently the 30th best guy. What if I trade him for the guy that was 60th? It's not a sell high. If your guy you drafted at seventieth, he's the thirtieth best player. Buy the fifteenth best player, because that owner is panicking. Because oh, Nikola Jokic went scoreless. Go go crazy on a guy like that. Lamarcus Aldridge for Nikola, Nikola Jokic? Do it. That is buying low. That is a really important thing to do. It because what if Jokic continues to struggle? Small chance. What if it is? What if Aldridge continues to beast? Small chance, but possible. Well, not even Aldridge. So, what it say? What if Griffin? What if you're doing Griffin for Jokic? What if Jokic continues to struggle and Griffin continues to ball out? There's a there's a a decent chance that Griffin finishes in the same range as Jokic. Aldridge probably not. And that's what I mean by buy lows and sell highs. Really important to get that sort of distinction. I feel anyway. The Indiana Pacers. Vic Oladipo crushing it as expected. Miles Turner missed the weekend with a concussion, and that pushed Demontis Sabonis into that starting lineup. I talked about him on the uh, pod previewing Friday. Said I was all in, wanted to smash the shit out of him in terms of value for DFS. Didn't do that well on Friday. Killed it on Saturday, and has looked really, really good in two of the three games this season. As has Big Darren Collison. Daza has looked fantastic. He's a top forty guy so far this season. Make sure he is not on your waiver wire. I'm sure you would have been all over that already. Cleveland, Derek Rose missed the game on the weekend with an ankle injury, and Jose Calderon started in place of him, but it was Iman Shumpert who got the majority of the minutes there, I don't think there's really much to see, Rose will be back soon, heard that before, but Rose will be back soon, and Dwayne Wade, you can piss him off, he's just doing nothing, he's not getting the minutes, he's not fitting at all with this offense, there's no reason for me to believe that he should be a must-hold guy in uh, in standard leagues. Let's talk Chicago Bulls. My uh, my favorite team, of course, former favorite team. Larry and should be owned everywhere, crushing it. I'm not concerned about Bobby Portis returning. Miritich is the only one who I'd have some level of concern, but and started two games. They're not going to demote him when Miritich comes back. I feel pretty good about that. Justin Holiday, Jaron Grant. Both playing well also. They should be owned. But of course, when Chris Dunn returns in a couple of games, Grant's uh, role will be challenged. It'll be interesting to see how they go there. And knowing Fred Hoiberg, he'll be rotating those guys every game. The other guy who's killing it and getting way more usage than he needs to is Robin Lopez. So he has got some significant value here. He could be traded, but the Bulls never, never really make good decisions. So he could easily stick out for the season and be a top 60 guy that there is a possibility of that. Marcus Smart, to add to the Celtics woes, he suffered an ankle, ankles injuries. Uh, Over the weekend, and that pushed Terry Rozier into a must-own category. And when Smart comes back, Rozier's minutes will drop down to mid to low twenties, and it pushes him into eh, stream sort of category. But um, with Smart out, he's going to get thirty and nine. He is going to have that sort of value. All right, now it is time for me to tell you about the wonderful sponsors of today's podcast, and that is DraftKings. Yes. DraftKings basketball season is back, and you know what that means. It is time to put your basketball knowledge to the test with One Day Fantasy Basketball at DraftKings.com. With One Day Fantasy Basketball at DraftKings, you can be a part of the action every night. There are so many ways to play on DraftKings. You can choose between public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can take on your friends. DraftKings even has beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. Drafting your team is simple. Just select eight players and stay under that $50,000 salary cap. You earn points for scoring, assists, points, rebounds, blocks, three-pointers, double-double, triple-double, bonus, all that stuff as part of DraftKings scoring. And the best part is you get to draft a new team every day without any commitment Hurry to DraftKings.com now and use the code LOFB to play free with your first deposit for your share of $10,000 in total prizes tonight. That's code LOFB to play for free with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, the game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, now we're going to talk about the week ahead. We're going to look at uh, at what is happening across week two in fantasy basketball and helping you get your your lineups under control and trying to make sense of everything that is going down. We have got a week here where there are only teams with four games or teams with three games. So that makes it a little bit easy for us. We've also got a fantastic distribution of games. We've got Monday with eight games, Tuesday with six, Wednesday with 10, Thursday with five, Friday with seven, Saturday with eight, Sunday with seven. That means the only day where you're probably going to be at any risk of having a full roster is Wednesday, meaning stream Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The perfect distribution pretty much throughout this week, meaning that teams have an abundance of quality games this week. If you want to look at guys when you, actually, let's talk about weekly weekly leagues first. Um, the teams that play four games, Denver, Washington, Charlotte, Brooklyn, Cleveland, Memphis, Houston, San Antonio, Detroit, Atlanta, the Warriors, and the Mavericks, while the rest of the teams, they all play three games this week. Denver's got probably the best schedule there. They've got Washington and Charlotte, Atlanta, and Brooklyn, and those last two are particularly tasty, especially for a high-powered offense like Denver. Washington's schedule is pretty good, even though all four of those are on the road, whereas Dallas, they've got it tough. Golden State... A Memphis back to back and then Philadelphia, so some uh, especially for a lower pace team like Dallas as well, some pretty uh some pretty tough matchups for their players who are and they're quite riddled by injury as it is at the moment. As for the three game teams, the Knicks have got a nice nice little run. Boston, Brooklyn, and Cleveland is good for them. Utah has the Clippers, the Suns, and the Lakers, and when you've got the Suns and the Lakers on your schedule, that's pretty good news for the stats of some of those players. Whereas the Clippers have a shitful schedule. Utah, Portland, and Detroit is not a good way to go about things, and the Lakers have. Washington, Toronto, and Utah. So the LA teams really having not a great week in terms of their scheduled distribution. When we look at daily changes leagues, we want to look at who can we add off the waiver wire on certain days and which teams have those games on those preferable days. You now, as I mentioned, Wednesday is the really only day that doesn't qualify as a quality game. So pretty much every team, um, is going to be available on most days. The best team, though, Atlanta, they play four games, and all of those fall on the days that aren't Wednesday. They're the only team that has four quality games this week, whereas teams like um, the, the... or Actually, all, all the teams that play four games have at least three quality games. So they're all fairly even in that respect, except Atlanta's got the four. When you go into the, uh, the three-game teams, there are some of them that play two, like the Jazz, the Thunder, the Wolves, the Sixers, the Raptors, the Heat... The Suns, the Pacers, and the Lakers, all those teams play two of their three games on non-Wednesday days. Whereas some of the other teams who maybe have a weaker schedule, like the Clippers, all three of their games, you're going to be get streaming ability there. So Austin Rivers might come in for three games for the week. You might be able to do that. Now, with so many days with quality games, you're getting the most bang for your buck in terms of your weekly acquisition limits is important. And the best way of doing that is by looking at back-to-backs to to get two games for one ad. Now, there are no Monday, Tuesday back-to-backs. Wednesday is that day with 10 games on. So you might not be able to get any value from a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Wednesday, Thursday back-to-back. So I like to look at what I call pseudo back-to-backs. The Tuesday, Thursday. yeah Around that big volume day, you add someone on Tuesday. You can play them Tuesday, and you can hold them, and then you can play them Thursday. They sit on your bench, but it doesn't matter because you've probably got a full roster on Wednesday. And there are five teams that have that Tuesday, Thursday. It's the Pelicans. It's the Bulls. It's the Blazers, the Celtics, and the Clippers. And there are lots of players there. I already talked about guys like Holiday and Grant and Markinen for the Bulls, the Pelicans. Jameer Nelson played really well today for the Pelicans. You've got one Moore. Ian Clark looked good also. The Blazers, Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, you could add Al Farouk Aminu if he is around, Pat Connerton if you're in a deeper league. Boston, we know that Jalen and Jason Tatum are probably already owned, but Terry Rozier, Aaron Bainesy baines maybe Marcus Morris is back. And for the Clippers, you look at Austin Rivers, maybe you want to go deep onto a Wes Johnson, maybe some Darius Thornwell for you 20-team league guys you can add there. Thursday, Friday, there's only one team with a back-to-back and that's the Hawks. Friday, Saturday, we've got Houston, OKC, and the Lakers. And then the Saturday, Sunday, which is quite an important back-to-back to to try and round out the week. It's Cleveland and Detroit. Now, if Dwayne Wade was dropped, you can add him for that Saturday, Sunday, back-to-back knowing that maybe he does sit one of those games. Maybe he doesn't, but maybe he does. But you might have Tristan Thompson around. You might have Iman Shumpert around, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, any of those guys. And for Detroit, Stan Johnson is an option. The tackle box, John Lua, could be around. Ish Smith could provide great back-to-back value there as well. Someone messaged me today that Toby Harris was on their waiver wire, which made me almost... Um, vomit a little bit in my mouth, but then he did clarify that it was a six-team league, but Toby Harris shouldn't be on anyone's waiver wire, even if it is a six-team league, of course. Um, So that that pretty much does, you know, looking at the week ahead, you've got great opportunities for streaming. Check your, your lineup. You might be able to stream a guy in every single day, but it's about getting the most value or the most bang for your buck if you've got four acquisitions for the week or three for the week. Timing them at the right time and getting those back-to-backs out of those guys is really important to maximizing what you can do during the week. Let's move on to talking about Sunday's action now. We go straight to the monstrous line of the night, and it is Big Tone Davis, who dropped in 27-17, and 17. He hit a three. He had three assists, and he topped it off with three steals. And three blocks. He went fifty percent from the field on eighteen attempts, and he was eighty percent from the line on ten attempts. It doesn't get too much better than that. He's the number two ranked player for this season, playing forty minutes a game and averaging thirty-two and seventeen. Yes. 32 and 17 with two steals and 1.7 blocks. Enormous 53% from the field. And his free throws have been a little bit down, which is actually keeping him probably from being the number one player. Although I'm sure Giannis would have a few things to say about that. He's been a monster. He Every time he goes down, you wince a little bit. He copped an elbow in the head from Larry Nance today. But he was fine. And he is just absolutely crushing it at the moment. And you should be pretty happy because I know that he fell to 10 and 11 in some drafts, which is stupid. He should never have done that. He should never have gotten past... Uh, pick seven in any sort of situation in my opinion. The waiver wire line of the night goes to the man who I um, have consistently shit on for the last two seasons, but maybe it just was Toronto. Maybe he just hated Toronto and his knees were just busted up there. And it's Damari Carroll because he's looked really, really good in Brooklyn. He had 17 points. He had three rebounds. He had two assists. And for the first time this season, someone's had a Richie Benno. Two for two, two, two. If you don't know what a Richie Benno is, it's a double, triple one. It's two threes. It's two steals. It's two blocks. So Damari Carroll gets the waiver wire line of the night. He gets the Richie Benno, and he is putting up some really good numbers. He's the 43rd ranked player for this season, averaging 14.7 and 6.7. Big steals, good threes, good percentages. I think he should be owned in 12 team leagues. He's starting. I don't really see that role going away at this point. Maybe they can put the blue swimmer in ahead of him, but Krabs playing fine off the bench. Uh, yeah, i i would i would own Damari carroll and be pretty uh pretty happy with it the big change here from him last season he' he shot thirty nine percent from the field last season he's at fifty percent so far with a true shooting of sixty four which is you know, far and away above what we're projecting him for or what he's done at any point in his career so some of this efficiency will drop off but the fact that he's getting looks the fact that he's getting stuff happening defensively is a really positive sign for uh for Damari let's go to the Young gun of the night. Everyone will be waiting for this one. It's been months in the making. It is, of course, the future MVP, Kyle Kuzma, who was really, really good against the Pelicans. He played 30 minutes, 20 points with six boards, two triples, two assists, and one steal on 54% shooting on 13 attempts. He is shooting 61% in these three games, somehow shooting better than what he did in the preseason, still with that weird only 67% from the free throw line. But he's putting up numbers. He's the 86th ranked player so far this season. 14, 4, and 2 with a steal and a 3 per game. But as we know, it won't stick. He can't shoot 60% from the field. I know I keep saying that, but he literally, it just will not happen. He won't shoot that, that much. He looks better than Brandon Ingram. He looks better than Julius Randle. He got the extra run in this game. As the Lakers went on a huge run at the start of the fourth quarter and he was part of that unit. So Luke Walton kept them going and he was putting up numbers. While I'm not 100% sold, he's going to be a 12 team league guy all season for the time being. Sure. Why not? I own him, but I'd have him below. I'd have him, I'd have him probably lower priority than Damari Carroll at this point. I know people because he's from the Lakers will want to get on board, but I'd have him below Damari Carroll. If I'm just talking about the two guys I mentioned, yeah, Kuzma. A good game today, but again, I'm a little skeptical on that uh, 61% shooting being able to continue, and I think you can understand why I would be just a little bit skeptical about that. The dart of the night goes to his teammate, and that is Brandon Ingram, who scored seven points with two rebounds and four assists. He was three of nine from the field, one of two from the line, and failed to register a three-pointer. He is the 169th-ranked player this season, shooting putridly once more on 39.5%. Amazingly, that includes him going 50% from three. He had a real stinker in game one. Um, really good against the Suns, but that's that's a, an asterisk game. And then uh, really poor against the Pelicans. That he was, I guess, he was part of that. The reason that Kuzma got those extra minutes is because that second unit was on a run. So that meant that Ingram was on the bench during that time. So only played 24 minutes. I guess it depends who's around on your waiver wire. But I don't believe that Ingram is a 100% must-hold guy. He still struggles way too much. He's still really young, and that's not what I'm talking about here. Yeah, that might be different in two years' time. But for now, the upside is still there. But my faith in him cracking the top 100 is uh, it's fairly low at the moment. So I wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be banking too much on um, on uh, Brandon Ingram being able to uh, to reverse that trend. All right, let's talk about these games now in a bit of extra detail. The first one was the Atlanta Hawks and the Brooklyn Nets. Dennis Schroeder twisted his ankle and it looked pretty bad. Thankfully, Everything looks okay there. He's unlikely to play on Monday, but he is targeting a return on Thursday. So a one-game absence for Schroeder is as good a news as his owners could have expected. He was had 17, 4, and 8 with two steals in this one. Yes, he shot 23% from the field, and you always needed to be aware of that this season, but some good numbers otherwise for him. With him out on Monday, Malcolm Delaney, who played 22 minutes in this one, and Marco Ballinelli, who ran the point at some time during this game, are going to be the guys who are interesting here. 31 minutes for Ballinelli for 19 points on 13 shots, so it wasn't a matter of him getting super hot either. He had three assists also here, Ballinelli, so if, as a one-day stream on Monday, you could do worse than Ballinelli, and Delaney's also an option there. Kent Bazemore, 16-3-3, three and three, one of his better games. He's going to absorb some of Schroeder's usage, which we're talking about a guy that's you a know, 30-plus percent usage guy. It's going to have to go to numerous players, and Bazemore will be one of those, so he is worth a look if he is around. He probably should still be owned in 12s Anyway. Well, Torian Prince is getting dropped in lots of places, and I do understand that. 23 minutes, 9, 1 and 1. I am still holding him. I still think that a turnaround is coming from him. Same with Dwayne Deadman, who had 7-7 seven and seven in 21 minutes. But how about how's my boy? How's my boy Johnny Collins? 21 minutes, 14 and 13 in a block. I have banged this drum that hard since the draft that this guy is a fantasy animal and he needs the minutes. I didn't think that he'd be getting twenty plus minutes per game. Yeah, right out of the gate. He was limited to 21 in this one because he had five fouls, but The stats or the ability to put them up wasn't really ever in doubt for me. If he gets 28 minutes per game, the top 50 is legitimately in play for him with his rebounding ability, his... His field goal percentage, his free throw percentage, his ability to get to the line, and his scoring, the top 50 is legitimately in play for him once he gets to 28, 29 minutes per game. He is currently playing the same sort of playing time as Ersan Ilyasova, which I didn't think would happen right out of the gate. So if you want to go and add John Collins in standard leagues, don't let me stand in your way. In fact, I encourage it because the upside for him is absolutely bananas. It is through the roof. And if those minutes come up, which I'm not saying they will, they might not come up until January. He might be stuck at 21 till January he's valuable at 21. Like, he is putting up the numbers that are useful. But I guess it depends, again, who is out there and who you're dropping. But I'm liking what I'm seeing from my boy, John Collins. Dwayne Dedman was also in some foul trouble in this game. So that enabled Collins to get some uh, minutes, although he had his own foul issues, uh, obviously, as well. That also enabled Mike Muscala to play 25 minutes. And he had 8-6. and six. He is just a deeper league guy, though. For the Nets, the blue swimmer, Alan Crabb, 20 points on just 12 shots. He hit four triples, had a steal and a block and five rebounds. He's doing more of the peripheral stuff in Brooklyn. He's on somewhat of a minutes restriction after breaking his foot and having an ankle problem in the, in the preseason. He should be owned in all leagues also. I wasn't a massive fan of his fantasy upside. He's shown me a little bit more than what I thought that he could do. So he's, he's worth looking at. As is, of course, my boy, Caris Levert, who had 16, 6 and 4 with three steals. Big, big fan of Lavert. I would own Levert over Crab. He is starting. He is getting more minutes. And I think his ability to add those steals and assists a little bit more than what Crab can puts him a little bit higher, in my opinion. Really big on Levert. D'Angelo had 16, 7, and 10. While Trevor Booker, his third consecutive strong game, 14 and 6 in 28 minutes. It appears Tim Mozgov's not going to crack 20 a night in any 12s or 14s. He can be shunted free, while well, Jarrett Allen blocked four shots in 15 minutes. He is going to push forward, and he is going to be getting 20 minutes a night at some point this season, and then he will definitely become useful. Not a good night from Rondé, nine and seven. He was limited by fouls as well, four fouls in those 19 minutes. I definitely think that he should be owned, and he is under 50% owned. I don't understand. Levert is 19% owned, Crabb 64, Carroll 28, Hollis Jefferson 48. People are ignoring the Nets. Crabb, Carroll, Russell, Levert. Hollis Jefferson, all should be owned in all 12-team leagues, and Trevor Booker's not far away from that, to be honest. Somehow, Trevor Booker's owned in more leagues than Karis Levert, which is uh, it's quite mind-blowing to me that that's the case, but Booker is putting up some good numbers. Minnesota and OKC, what a crazy, crazy end to the game this was. Mallow hits the three, and then Wigo goes down. Carl anthony Towns just smacks the shit out of Paul George on a screen. It was a huge, huge bump. Laid him out, got Wigo free, who then banked in a three to, to win the game. You yeah, know, really big numbers for lots of these guys. And look at the minutes that all the Timberwolves guys plays. Carl anthony Towns, 36 minutes, 27 and 12. He was fantastic. Hit a nice, really soft touch uh, floater towards the end to give them back the lead. Jeff Teague. Jeff. 19, 6, and 9 on only 10 shots. Super efficient from T. Got to the line 10 times. Really nice numbers from him. Wigo had 27, 7, and 4 with two steals and two threes. And this is the sort of performance from Wigo that can make him a top 40 fantasy guy. Four assists, two steals, seven rebounds, two threes, 50% from the field. Getting to the line eight times. Yeah, he only hit five of them, but he got there eight times. I'm not totally convinced that he can continue to do this night after night after night in terms of those peripheral numbers, but that's a really, really good start from Wigo. Jim Butler, his owners will be panicking. Buy low, go as low as you possibly can. Throw a guy outside the top 50 at, at a Butler owner. 15-6-6 six six because people will be like, oh, new team and they're struggling. Wiggins is getting all their shots, which is true. Butler still took 17 shots, though. Wiggins had 20. Butler had the same amount of towns. He only hit 41 of them. He still added six assists. He had six boards. He didn't get a steal. I'm not panicking on Jim at this point. It hasn't been an ideal start, but he played 39 minutes. It was fine. 11 and 10 from Taj in 33 minutes. I'll say this again. I probably won't say it anymore. Don't worry about owning Gorgie Jang. He played 12 minutes. He's not getting 15 minutes a night even. The only way it's going to happen is if an injury occurs. And if you're just going to hold guys in case an injury occurs, then you're going to be torpedoed in any league. And it doesn't just have to be for Jing. You could hold Alex Abrines in case Carmelo Anthony gets injured. Oh, but what if what if Melo goes down? You could hold Patrick Patterson in case Stephen Adams goes down. Oh, if Patterson goes down, he's going to have to play. No, like he's playing 15 minutes a night. Gone. See ya, Gorgi. Gorgie. This was always the concern. We didn't know if they'd go 28-20 in a minute split, but they're not. We're seeing Bialitza and Muhammad play at the four. Jeng's playing basically back up five, and he's not getting in minutes. I love Gorgijing. I think he's really good, but it doesn't matter what I think if Tom Thibodeau is not going to play in the minutes, and he's not going to play in the minutes. On the Thunder, Russell Westbrook, after that weird performance where he scored, I think, six across the weekend, where his owners are going, oh, Melo's going to kill Westbrook. No, nah, not so much. 31-5-10 and 10, with five triples on 24 shots for Russ. 50%. From the field, yeah, that's that's the sort of numbers that we were uh, we were used to getting from Westbrook. Steve Adams, he had a, a big night of his own, seventeen and thirteen, a steal and two blocks, massive field goal percentage. Didn't hurt you in the free throws, which is something that he has been uh, been an issue with in the past. But that's two really strong games from Adams so far this season, putting up uh, putting up the good numbers. Mallow with 23, 2, and 2, and 3 steals. And Paulie George, 14, 6, and 8, and had 4 steals. He's been an absolute beast with the steals, Georgie. The assists are fantastic with his field goal percentage has been a real nightmare. That will clearly normalize, but the other numbers are fine. All these guys are, are, are fine as for what they're doing. And Mallow providing, you know, I think, a lot more value than people would have anticipated. And if you got him in the 60s or 70s, I think you would be really happy with Mallow this season fat face Ray Felton had 12, 1, and 2 in 18 minutes. 16-team leagues, you got to look at Ray. 14-team uh, leagues, maybe. He's playing alongside Russ, and this bench is just so putrid. Andre Robertson one rebound in 22 minutes. He's playing low 20s each game, and there is some knee concern with him, but uh, he's not a 12-teamer. He's probably not a 14-team league guy. Alex Abrines was in over him down the stretch, and it wasn't his best game, but he had some decent moments across the weekend as well. The last game of the night was the Pelicans and the Lakers. Boogie, 22-11-8 with two blocks. Another big game from him. And finally, Drew Holiday, able to shoot alongside Boogie and Davis. The people selling low on him. That was the wrong move. 14-5-6 with four steals and 55% shooting. Turns out, he is still pretty good. Who Who knew? Etuan Moore, 19-2 in his 32 minutes, while Ian Clark had 14-2-2. Two, two. two steals and two triples for Clarky. Moore and Clark are two guys that are perfect stream options. They're probably more 14-team league guys. Jameer Nelson closed this game after just arriving after a nine-hour trip. Um, after being signed earlier in the day. Five points and five assists. I reckon there's a significant chance that he could start at some point before Rajon Rondo comes back. There's a significant chance that he's a better player than Rajon Rondo, to be honest with you. But his assists in 14-team leagues, they're going to be interesting. And they might even be useful at times in 12 teams. Dante Cunningham is just a nothing on the Lakers, Contavious Cowell Pope made his season debut after his suspension. He had 20 points, and in true Contavious Cowell Pope style, it came on high efficiency. So expect one game to be has six points on 20% shooting to come. In also true Contavious Cowell Pope style, he had two rebounds and one assist. He did have two steals and a block, so some nice peripheral numbers, but remember, he is as streaky as they come. He'll have these games, and they come on high percentages, and then he'll have this shitful performance, and he doesn't have the peripheral stats to back them up. Now, he should be owned in all leagues, but... This is not a sign of the future for every game. Jordan Clarkson went bananas in this one, 24 points in 26 minutes, 5 assists. Now, he'd been barely struggling, or he hadn't gotten to 25 minutes in either of his two previous games. He scored the ball really well, but he's had a massive, massive usage rate, 33% in this one. He was at 39% before this game started, and that's just not going to continue. And the only thing he's really contributing in in is points. And people are still asking me, Josh, what's usage rate? Is it the amount of time that a player has the ball in his hands? Like It's nothing to do with that. Usage rate is really simple. It means how many possessions a person ended while they were on the court. What percentage of a team's possessions ended by that player? And there's three ways that you can end a possession. With a field goal attempt, with a free throw attempt, or with a turnover. That's literally it. That is how usage rate. It's got nothing to do with rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. It doesn't pay any attention to three-pointers. It doesn't really pay any attention to efficiency. So it means getting shots up or turning the ball over. Now, Clarko did have five assists in this one, but he wouldn't have had this much run if that second unit hadn't have got onto that huge, you know, or got the lead back for the Lakers in the fourth quarter. He would have been down at 22 minutes a night, and he would have still scored okay, and he's doing it really efficiently, but I believe that his shooting percentage And his usage rate is going to drop significantly, and he's not going to be able to provide these numbers. So while it looks sexy at the moment, I feel like it might last a game, but it could easily just be nothing tomorrow, because when the minutes aren't there, and now KCP is back, I think it's going to be tough for him to continue that. Lonzo almost got the Felton triple double, eight points, eight rebounds with 13 assists. He almost got another triple-double on the weekend against the Suns, but the 29 points versus them, uh, as opposed to 8 points versus the Pelicans, I think the 8 points is closer to what you should expect from Ball on an ongoing basis rather than those big numbers he put up against Phoenix. Clearly, his ability to pass is fine, though. It wasn't a great night from Brookie Lopez, 7-6 and six with two blocks. He had some fouls. It was a victim, much like Ingram, of the starters being outplayed by the bench units down the stretch. I wouldn't be too worried about Brook. Julius Randle, one of his better games. He's been putrid over the weekend, 11-2 with the steal and two blocks. Again, part of that bench unit. I don't believe that much in Randall, as you're well aware. I think Kuzma's better than him. I think Nance is better than him. And I would still hold though, despite me thinking that I would still hold. It was a bit of a glimpse here, but I wouldn't be giving him too long of a leash. Lease, try again, leash. Larry Nance, five and four in 15 minutes. A good performance in the weekend games. Not so great here. He is a still a guy that I do look at as a 12-team league guy. Um, for a dynasty point of view, Josh Hart came out, he projected really, really well from a dynasty point of view, and he was awesome in this game. Led the team in plus minus, part of that unit that got them back into the game, five and four in 15 minutes. Deep dynasties. I'm talking deep. You know, gotta have a look at him. Who knows if KCP is back this season? Who knows if Hart leapfrogs Clarkson? I think he does. Um, and he does have this ability. Decent efficiency, points, can get some assists, can get some steals, can hit some threes. I think there is a, I think there is a top 150 season at some point in Hart's future. And that might be in three years time, but I, I do believe in him as a low end fantasy asset, at least way higher than what we're going to see from him this season. So it is something to pay, uh, to pay some level of attention to as we, as we move forward. All right. That is all the action from Sunday. Recap the weekend. Now I'm going to transition and talk Monday because we're going to be looking at all the DFS action that's going to be going down. There are eight games on Monday. So I'm just going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to have a look at that. All right, guys, we're back. Let's talk perfect DFS lineups, though, from Sunday before we get into anything else. On FanDuel, Jeff Teague had 39.7. My name is Jeff. Drew Holiday, 36.3. Wigo had 46.4. Jordy Clarkson, 29.5. The Blue Swimmer had 31. Paulie George, 43.2. Johnny Collins had 30.6. Someone called him the Baptist today. I'm I'm all for that. The Baptist. I don't know if some someone did say oh, it's the Baptist, and they gave me that. I don't know if that person came up with the nickname or it's been around. I'm all for it. John Collins, the Baptist, thirty point six. Tone Davis, sixty eight point seven. While well, Steve Adams had forty four point one for a total of three sixty nine point five, and that's fifty nine thousand three hundred dollars worth on Fangio on DraftKings. Karis Levert, thirty three and a half. Jordy Clarkson, thirty two. Wigo had forty six point two five. Davis, sixty six. Steve Adams, forty four point two five. D'Angelo. Had 41.75. The Baptist had 32.75, and Jeff Teague had 41 for a total of 337.5, and that cost 49,700 dollars. Let's see if we can get you guys to get the uh, perfect lineup yourselves for Monday's uh, Monday's NBA action. We'll we'll bring up this first game, which is the Philadelphia 76ers and the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons are favored by three and a half here. The total is 214.5. Joel Embiid missed the Sixers' last game due to rest. He will be back in action, and the Sixers don't have another back-to-back for a couple of weeks now, so he should feel pretty good about Embiid getting 28 to 29 minutes here, I would think, and being a real force for the next few weeks, and hopefully that pushes him through the restrictions and we don't see him rest again. That's maybe a wishful thinking, but I don't think that that's a a crazy possibility that that, that, because there's three weeks between drinks here for a back-to-back, maybe he's able to play the next time. I think that's really a possibility, at point guard, Markel Fultz, he saw some extra minutes in the last game, 24 minutes. It resulted in nine FanDuel points, so it wasn't fantastic. His price is down to $4,000, but I would clearly only be looking at him as a tournament guy, and even then, I think the extra minutes in the last game were due to the fact that it was a huge, huge blowout. Ish Smith's at $4,000, not really feeling too much there because Reggie Jackson looks fantastic for Detroit. Jared Bayless at 4,300. He's looked really good, especially from a categorical league standpoint. Not so much for DFS. He had 20 points in 27 minutes in the last game. You might want to look at him as a tournament guy, but I just just don't really see a huge level of upside. As for Reg, he is now at 6,800. Now he's looked good. But I think that price pretty much prices him out of any value there. At shooting guard, J.J. Reddick has been okay, but he's always just a tournament sort of guy, 4,500, while Avery Bradley, people will be really down on him. I think his ownership will be really low. He's at 5,500. He's been plagued by fouls in both games so far, only 22 minutes in the last game, put up 21 points. If, let's, let's give him 32 minutes and then maybe what, what, does he get? 32 points? That's a real possibility. And he's smashed through that value. So I like Avery Bradley here, assuming he doesn't get into foul trouble. And an interesting development for Detroit is Luke Kennard into the rotation. We saw him ahead of Langston Galloway. Remember Galloway in that first game had like 24 points and then out of the rotation two games later as Kennard has found himself in like a 16, 17 minute role. He's a $3,000 guy, much like Reddick. Um, a tournament-type guy who, who could potentially get hot, but I'm not really getting too invested in him. At small forward, Stan Johnson. The minutes are pretty good for him. He has had some foul issues. He's at 4,400. Hasn't really got it cracking yet, but the steals and the steal bonuses you get on Fangio makes him an appealing tournament-sort of player, whereas Bob covett 5,800, just feels too expensive. Really shit the bed in the last game. Um, didn't do much. He had a monster opening night, clearly, but at 5,800, I think there are better ways to go about spending that, such as spending 6,800 on Toby Harris, who is his crushing it this year. 40 points in the last one. He is averaging 35 points so far this season. I feel pretty decent about Toby Harris at least getting to that 35-point mark. Dario Sharic is at 4,500. I think I'll pass pretty strongly on that, while Benny Simmons up to $8,000, and it's because he's killing it. He had 39 in the last game. He is averaging 38.5 so far this season. 8,000 probably puts him a little bit too high, but I don't hate it as a tournament play because his ability to get 40 is clearly there. The tackle box at 3,600. That's John Lua for you. those of you who are uninitiated with the nicknames. Johnny Lua at 3,600. Uh, I, I think I'll pass on that one. Amir Johnson back to a backup role. While Eric Morland, does he come back into the rotation ahead of Boba Marjanovic, who played all of four minutes in that last one? Regardless, we're not using either of those players at center. Andre Drummond at eight thousand three hundred. I like Andre to go big here. I like him to go for fifty. Um, yet to miss a free throw this season. In one of the more amazing developments we have seen so far, in in, through three games hasn't missed a free throw. I like him to go real big here, Andre. As for Embiid at eight thousand five hundred, love him, but I would take um, I would take Drummond ahead of Embiid in this situation. Save myself the two hundred dollars, but I could totally see why he'd go for Joel. Just uh, not feeling him quite at eight thousand five hundred just yet. Um, let's have a look on DraftKings to see what what really changes in terms of value on these guys. Stan Johnson's price lower, like him a lot at thirty nine hundred. JJ, uh, Andre Drummond, Avery Bradley, and I really like Jared Bayless here at four thousand. A nice price for him. Uh, Benny Simmons is a little bit cheaper, and you've got Reggie Jackson at fifty eight hundred, which I think makes a really strong play at fifty eight hundred for for big Reg there. All right, let's, uh let's let's crack on. Let's have a look at the next one which is the Atlanta Hawks and the Miami Heat. I am assuming that Dennis Schroeder won't be playing in this one. We've also got Hassan Whiteside, who is questionable with a knee issue that kept him out across the weekend. In that game that he was out, we saw Jordan Mickey start at center, didn't play many minutes, and Jim Johnson, he moved into the starting lineup at power forward. Jimmy Johnson was look Jimmy Johnson for the minutes he played in the opening game was fantastic he was just limited by foul trouble he got more minutes in game 2 and crushed it yeah putting up numbers very similar to last season. So if Whiteside is out, expect him to get more playing time, expect Kaliel Linick to get more playing time, and who was pretty good himself in that last game in 27 minutes. So there is some value there. Let's talk point guards again. We're assuming that Schroeder is out. Malcolm Delaney's at 3,100. I don't love Malcolm Delaney, but at 3,100, we should be getting 27-ish, 28 minutes per game up to 30. You know, 3,100 is a really, really good value. I wouldn't be just locking him in as a cash game guy, because he's not that good. And and that you know, leaves you exposed a little bit. You've got Josh Majet as well as the backup behind him. He's at 3,000. Maybe in a tournament you go there. You probably don't, though. Um, The iron shoulder, Goran Dragic at 7,100. Well, he is going to have a field day against a pretty piss-poor team here. 7,100, while I don't think there's tremendous upside, I feel really solid with his floor. I don't really think that there's much damage of him going under 30 points, and that makes him a, a decently strong cash play. While Tyler Johnson at 4,400, I just don't feel the minutes there for Tyler. There's just too many guys in that backcourt to allow him to really do what he needs to do. Love Marco Ballinelli here at 3,900. He's getting the minutes He at twenty five. Points in 31 minutes today. And at 3,900 with extra responsibility. And he played point guard in Sunday's game. I think he's fine at that sort of a salary. Kent Bazemore at 48. The usage has to go somewhere. 33, 35% that Schroeder's using has to go somewhere. And Bazemore was not afraid to jack it out on the court. I'm sure he's fine with jacking at other places as well. But Bazemore will take his shots. And at 4,800, I think he's a really, really strong option. Dion Waiters at 6,400, way too way too high for me. The minutes have been fine for Waiters. The production hasn't matched that salary. And I'm just constantly worried about him twisting that ankle. At small forward, Joshy Richardson's at 5,800. Hasn't had a big game so far. The minutes have been through the roof. He had 28 uh, points in 38 minutes in the last game without Hassan out there. But I just feel that that um, salary is not the, uh, not, not the greatest, not the greatest sort of situation for him. So I'd probably leave him for a tournament, if anything. Torian Prince at 5,400. Nah, I would have hoped he would, would drop down a little bit with the way he's playing. There's something there, but it's not fantastic. And Justice Winslow at 4,100. I'm not, not really in on that either. At Power Ford, Ursan Ilyasova at 4,300. Very limited upside. Not a strong floor. But how about the Baptist at 4,800? John Collins. He dropped 31 today. I feel pretty good about him at 4,800. Uh, I think the minutes will be okay. The production's gonna be alright. Now there is a, a risk, of course, as a rookie, if he gets limited or gets bothered, that he could be, could be limited. But I do like him. And Jim Johnson at 5,900. He had 45 points in that game across the weekend. I think you should feel, I think you should feel okay about using Jim there. 59 is quite a high price. I wouldn't be locking him in as my first choice tournament sort of guy. Kelly Olenek at 5,200. If no, Hassan, he had 37 points. I'm okay with going with him at 5,200 as well if Whiteside is out. At center, we've got Mike Muscala at 33. Nah, Dwayne Dedman at 55, way too high. And Whiteside at 9,400. Now, Whiteside has crushed it in the one game that he's played so far this year where he's got 56 points in that one. Um... Do I feel good about him against this uh, Hawks front line? Yeah, bloody oath do. If he plays, I think he's a, a really strong option. But we just don't know whether he's going to play or not. And that's uh, part of the stuff we need to check up on. Over on DraftKings, Delaney... Really good at 3,000. Joshie Richardson, 48, has some more value. And the Baptist at 4,000. Love him on DraftKings at that price. Ballinalli at 39 is strong. Uh, Kent Bazemore at 47 is strong. Whiteside at 83, if he plays, is fantastic. And the iron shoulder, Goran Dragic at 7,000, is also in a really, really strong spot over on DraftKings. Let's move on to the next game, which is the Charlotte Hornets and the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are favored by 6.5 points. In this one, the total is 205. Injury-wise, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is uh, is out of this one. We know uh, Michael Carter-Williams is out. Nick Batum is out. Jabari Parker is out for Milwaukee. No game-time decisions at this point. We want to look at the point guards. Malcolm Brogdon's at 6,300. The minutes for him have been good. The production's been fairly solid. I'm not sure how high his upside is, but it is a really good matchup against Kemba, and a 30-point performance should be considered, I think, fairly expected from Broggo here. Dalva Dover at thirty one hundred, eh, no, nothing good there. While Kemba at eight thousand two hundred, again, just feels pretty solid. I'd rather go with a little bit cheaper guy like the Iron Shoulder, Goran Dragic. Go with him in, in that sort of a situation. Um, yeah, at eighty two hundred, I think he's a fairly strong uh, performance from uh, from Kemba. Shooting guard Jeremy Lamb fifty five hundred. The price is okay. The production's been sort of right in line with that price, and I expect it to be fairly similar. At that sort of a price tag, 5,500 for him is fine without, without too much upside. Well, Malik Monk is all upside and you'd only be looking at him as a tournament differentiator. Tone Snell at 37. The minutes have been over 30 in the last two games for Tone. So there is something to see there, especially at that price. And he dropped 22 in the last game for the Bucks. Uh, So there is something there, but I don't really love his upside. While the Baconator, Dwayne Bacon, had 20 points in the last game at 3,600. Yeah, I'm okay with Bacon, but only as a tournament guy. At small forward, Chrissy Middleton, 6,900. Giggity! Um, yeah, probably a little bit high for me, to be honest. Um, power forwards, Frank the Tank at 5,000. Marvin Williams has been putrid, and with Cody Zeller out, Frank's going to get some backup centre minutes. He'll play at the power forward ahead of him. I like Frank a lot at $5,000. He had 34 in the last game without Zalla. I think he's going to have to see some, uh, some decent minutes and should be able to put up a level of production that exceeds that salary. The, um, the MVP or my MVP, Giannis, I did a compo at 12,200. That's a big salary, but he is killing it. He's averaging 64 and a half. These are Westbrook numbers that he's putting up. He's putting up just crazy, crazy performances. How the hell are the Hornets going to stop him? Like, who is going to, Jeremy Lamb? Come on. The Baconator? Who is going to slow him down? Frank Kaminsky? Marvin Williams? No, who the hell can possibly slow down Giannis? Now, 12,200 is pretty high on an eight game slate. I wouldn't be locking him in, but shit. You feel guaranteed 60 points almost with Giannis at the moment. It almost feels like a guarantee, and it is hard to go past. Marvin Williams at 4,200, and maybe you expect a turnaround in a tournament. I don't. Centres. Dwight at 7,400. Really been impressed with what Dwight's been doing. 7,400, though, takes a lot of the value out of that, while um the Jason Kidd center, what's the word that I can use? Um, Starts with F and rhymes with muck-up um yeah, cards not not quite coming to me at, at this point um mccurry at 3400 yeah munro at 4100 who can't even get to 20 minutes a night which is just really really weird stuff from kid and look let's let's be honest greg munro was five times better than any other center on this team last center last season doesn't matter to, to kid cuz he knows best even though he knows nothing Johnny Henson, you know, the blocks have been coming. And with Fangel's block scoring, three points per block at $4,000, love it as a tournament play. Get four blocks, you've already, you've already got value right there. And then any point and rebound on there is really just gravy on top for John Henson. Um, but yeah, he's, he's not good, but the minutes are coming and that's really all that matters at this point. Which is unfortunate for a guy like McCurr. And Munro, for that matter. Um, On DraftKings, you know, Brogo at 51, Frank the Tank at 47, really good value there. I like Chrissy Middleton much more at 6,100. Uh, Dwight at 67, good, good spot. And uh Adilokombo at 10,9, and Kemba at 7,8. A strong, strong cash plays and good tournament plays, while Henson at 35 also has that level of value as well. Let's move on to the next one. We're going to be talking about the Memphis Grizzlies and the Houston Rockets. The Rockets are favored by seven and a half, and the total is 210.5 points here in this one. No injuries for us to really check up on. Uh, Jermichael Green is out. Chris Paul is out. Um... Yeah, those guys. Yeah, Chris Paul's gonna be out for a month, the same for for Green. Adrell yeah, Martin, the replacement for Green within Demetrius Jackson moving to that backup point guard role in Houston. I don't think there's any real standard league ads for any of those guys, if you are still uh yeah, listening and you've got your standard league teams going. It just bumps the usage for like Eric Gordon, Jim Harden, Trevor Reza. Um, Luke Mute gets you some more minutes there in Houston and for Memphis. You get more minutes for a Dylan Brooks who's worth a 12 team add. Tyreek Evans gets a little bit of a bump. Andy Harrison plays a little bit more. We've also got Wayne Selden out of this game for the, uh, for the Grizz as well. At point guard, I like Mario Chalmers quite a bit here. He is at four thousand dollars. He's getting a lot of minutes. Twenty-one points in twenty-two minutes in the last game. I think he's strong, especially with Seldon out. You got Mick Conley at seven thousand nine hundred. I'd probably have the Iron Shoulder slightly above him, but there is some uh, yeah decent consistency in Conley now. He wasn't great in the last game, shot poorly, and still got twenty-two points. I think thirty points is is almost a flaw here for Conley with you near know, forty-five upside. I think he's a decent player to have a look at there. Demetrius Jackson and Andy Harrison, I don't see much there. Although Jackson had 14 points in 17 minutes in the last game for the Rockets and at $3,000, it's not bad. At shooting guard, Jim Harden, 11300 Possibly a little bit high against the Grizzlies, even though they are the up. Now don't get it confused. This is not the slow it down Grizzlies. This is the the blindingly fast and Jesus, the pace of NBA games is so far through the roof this season. It is bananas. The pace is going crazy. And the Grizzlies are one of those teams that are pushing it quite a bit. So don't think this is your slow down Grizzlies because it's not. Um, Jim Harden, yeah, look, no Tony Allen to really bother him, which has been a concern in the past. I think Harden at 11,300. I think he should feel pretty good about a 55-pointer from Jim, especially with uh, Chrissy Paul out. Tyreek at 4,600. Got that value back in the last game. Uh, with the injuries, I think that there's something there, but I don't totally love it. Well, Eric Gordon. I think priced out of it at 6,200. I'm not loving him at that salary. Dylan Brooks at 4,400. The minutes are there. Now he had 32 in the last game, only 18 points, but that's not far off where his value is. So I like him, but more as a tournament sort of a guy. PJ Tucker at 41. Very limited upside, in my opinion. While Trevor Ariza at 55. Um, had a shit game. A good game, a shit game, then a good game. Yeah, 28 in his last one, 5,500. I just don't see massive upside for Ariza, unfortunately. Jim Ennis, Chandler Parsons. I think you'd look at Ennis as a $4,000 punt, but I don't feel great about that. At power for Jarrell Martin at 42. Well, he's going to start. He played 29 minutes in the last one and put up 20 points. So there's something to uh, have a look at there with him, but it's more of a tournament-y type situation. While Ryan Anderson at 4,200, well, he is as streaky as they come. You cannot use him in cash, in my opinion. At center, Nene at 38, I'll pass. Clint Capella at 7,000. You know, the Marc situation bothers me a bit here for Clint, so I'll probably leave him out. Brandon Wright, um, no. Marc 87. I think that's probably just a little bit too high for Gasol. There there are other better centers out there on the board as opposed to him. On DraftKings, you've got Brooksy at 4,600. Uh, PJ Tucker at 37. I think there's, I think you can get cash game value at a PJ Tucker at 3,700. Chalmers at 35. I like a Reezer at 46. Jerrell Martin at 36. And Eric Gordon, much better option over on DraftKings at 56. Jim Harden, Mike Conley, Marcus Sol, who's at a better price also over on DraftKings. The next game we'll take a look at. Um, which game is it? It is the Golden State Warriors and the Dallas Mavericks. There's still a potential of a suspension coming from Steph Curry. I would have thought we would have heard something about it today, but we didn't. Uh, Durant also was ejected in that last game. There's going to be no suspension for Durant, I can assure you of that. But Curry threw his mouth guard at a ref, so there is a possibility that he misses. If he does, Durant, Thompson, Green all get a bump. Uncle P gets a bump, and Shawnee Livingston becomes a cheap option that you can have a look at as well. Omri Caspi is listed as probable with his ankle problem. And for Dallas, you've got Dennis Smith Jr., who missed the last two games with knee effusion. It doesn't appear serious, so he's a chance to return in this one. And Devin Harris has missed the last two games due to the death of his brother, so we may or may not see him back in the lineup. At point guard, Dennis Smith at 6,500. I think that price just takes it all away from him. Steph at 9,200. Blowout potential definitely looms, especially after the Warriors losing two out of their first three. They could really, they could be up by 50 in the third quarter, I think, here. So I don't love Steph at 9,200. Yogi Ferrell at 53, especially if Dennis Smith is out. I'd be okay using Yogi. He dropped 34 in 41 minutes. In the last game, the Mavericks played at 5,300. I think that's, that's an okay one. Same as JJ Berea at 5,000, assuming that Dennis Smith is out, of course. Shawnee Livingston, he's at 43. They've bumped him, um, I guess pre- presumptively in case Curry is out, but there's still something there, but it's not as good to say he was a $3,000 player. At shooting guard, Wes Matthews, limited upside, I believe. Clay Thompson at 72, only if Steph is out. Devin Harris, Uncle P, same with Uncle P. If if Steph is out and Pat McCaw at 3,000, I wouldn't hesitate to throw him into a lineup. McCaw at the minimum salary price. Durant at 10-2, I think that's decently strong, um, even with Steph in. But the blowout potential probably leans me a little bit more towards tournaments. But if Steph is out, the margin comes down, the usage goes up for Durant, and I think at 10 he's a strong, strong cash play. The Pencil, 6,100. He's done okay against the Warriors before, but I just don't think his upside is really high enough at that price, and there are much better options out there. One of those options is not Andre Iguodala. Um, at 4,600, nor is it Dorian Finney-Smith. At power for Dirk at 4,600, played just 18 minutes in the blowout loss in the last game. At 4,600, there's definitely potential here for a tournament play. He could go for 30, so I don't hate that. While Draymond at 77, like Durant, like Clay, if Steph is out, I'm okay with Dre at that sort of a a price tag. Dwight Powell, David West, uh, I don't really see much there. At center, Zaza, 3,500. Nah, Nerland's Noel at 5,000. I'd only be looking at Nerland's as a tournament-type guy. The minutes could be all... They they are going to be all over the place, so I wouldn't be uh, banking too much on Nerland's Noel at this point. If we have a look over on uh, on DraftKings, Dirk at 51, Clay at 66, I really like. The Pencil at 56, Harrison Barnes, and Durant at 96. Definitely some value there. Steph at 87. It's not feeling great about that. Yogi at 51, Um And Nerland's at 52, probably not. So there's not as much value on this one on DraftKings as there is over on FanDuel, in my opinion. Got three games to go, so let's crack through those ones. The Toronto Raptors and the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs are favored by three, and the total is 206 in this one. Kawhi is out. Tone Parker is out. The Raptors' Jonas Valanciunas is out, so we've got some value opening up there at the center position. At point guard, Pat Mills at 3,700 has disappointed so far. DeJounte Murray has clearly outplayed him, so I'll probably give him a pass, while Kyle Lowry at 7,700 hasn't lived up to what we expect him to do, but I think this is a good spot to play uh, Kyle Lowry, a game that should be close, unlike the Raptors' first couple of games, you know, pushing him towards the 40-point mark, so I like Lowry here. D-line Wright's been killing it at 4,600. This might be the game where it does come Done a little bit, so I'd be a little bit cautious of using him at that sort of a salary. Well, DeJounte Murray really killing it, averaging 33 so far this season. He's at 5,400. The Lowry matchup might not be ideal for him, um, and that salary bump to 5,400 makes me look at him as a tournament-type player only. At shooting guard, Norm Powell at 4,500 has not done much, but again, the blowouts have made it really hard to assess this Raptors team. I would look at Norm as a tournament sort of player only. DeMar at 8,200. I feel like he is pretty strong as a as a uh, cash sort of a guy. Dan Green at 46 feels a little bit uh, too high for me. At small forward, Kyle Anderson at 48. Yeah, maybe in a tournament, we've seen him have one good game, one poor game without Kawhi. Rudy Gay at 5,000, too high for his minutes. CJ Miles, OJ Ananobi. No, not a lot of value in this game, to be honest. Surge at six thousand two hundred. Yeah, I'm at tournament. I would look for surge. I'm not really sure the upside's massive though. While Lamarcus Aldridge has been killing it so far, but therefore his salary is now at eight thousand eight hundred dollars, and that just feels like it's a little bit too high. You're hoping for forty five out of Lamarcus, and I'm just not sure that he can get there. Maybe, but I'm not feeling great about it. At center power at six thousand, I will pass on that. Lavernier, Laverne, Joffrey three thousand. No. The, the value here, I think, comes from Jakob Pertl and Bebe nagera but Fangel's bumped both their salaries, 5,000 for Bebe and 4,500 for Pertl. Now, Bebe scored 31.8 in that last game. Purdle scored 30, so both value guys there. But that salary takes away so much of the upside. If I'm going to bank on someone, it's going to be Purdle to get more minutes. Bebe is the better fantasy producer, but with the salary there, with the unsure minute situation, I'd be looking at them as tournament guys only, and I'd look at Bebe as the guy that maybe if he gets 25, he can blow up and get 40 points. That, that's a possibility. But the way that they've priced it has really uh, limited the value of those guys. On DraftKings, 73 for Kyle Lowry, I really like. 48 for Kyle Landerson is solid. Damar, I like. d I like at 39 is, is a really good price. Um, Surge at 57 is pretty strong. They've also bumped up Pirtle to 4,000 and Bay, Bay to 4,000. So some value there, but much like on Dra- on FanGil, sorry, we're looking at them as tournament type guys only. Let's look at the next game. It's the Washington Wizards, and they're taking on the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets are favored by three, and the total is the biggest of the day. It's 222.5 points. Jason Smith is questionable. He's missed the last two games with a shoulder strain. If he is out, which I expect him to be out, Kelly Oubre Jr. will move into the starting lineup and get some extra playing time. He sucked in the last game, but was quite good in the one before that. At point guard, Jamal Murray, the Blue Arrow at 4,000 has been putrid, averaging under 10 points in 20 minutes so far this season. I would only look at him as a tournament guy. It's a shit matchup against John Wall. The minutes haven't been there. It's been just a shit situation all around for Jamal Murray owners in standard leagues and in DFS. I would only look at him as a tournament type player. As for Wall, great defensive matchup, 10,350 points on the offing for him, especially with the high pace that these teams play. Really think he is a decent guy to have a look at. Where Manny Moutier put up 24 in 28 minutes in that last game, 3,900. Definitely consider him part of a tournament package as well. Gaz Harris at 5,700. Um, I think it's a little high for Gaz, to be honest. I don't hate it, but I definitely don't love it. Not in my big pool of players. While and Will Barton is up to $6,000. He's been close to that, but I'm not sure his upside will allow him to push past that. And I think there's a, a lower floor. So I'm not really feeling him either. Love Brattles Beal. The $8,000 salary is possibly a little high, but he's been killing it so far. And I feel okay about him in cash. Whilst Jody Meeks can always get hot at 3,200 and hit five or six threes and, and really break through that number. At small forward, Wilson Chandler's at 57. That's just a blur sort of play. Maybe a cash play, but that's about it. While Oubre, to me, is a tournament guy. One show out of the rotation, weirdly, uh, weirdly in my opinion. At power forward, Jason Smith, maybe if he plays, he starts. Potentially, I, I don't really like that. Paul Millsap at 7,800 feels about $1,000 too high. He's been okay, but he hasn't been worth that sort of a salary. While Otto Porter crushed it in the last game. He's at 6,900. He had 57 points. I don't feel strongly about Otto getting me 35 every night, so I'll probably fade him there. At center, Jokic is at 8,600. Scored zero points against the Kings in the last game. Still had 21 DFS points. Yeah, big rebounding numbers, big assist numbers. 8,600, low ownership. Um, I'm in on him in a tournament, but not for cash. Gortat at 6,100. I think it's a boost as long as Smith is out, and I think he will become an okay cash play in that sort of a situation, whereas Mason Plumlee, I don't think there's really huge amounts to love with him. If we look over on DraftKings at this game, Jokic, the same story. still a bit highly priced, but the GPP values there. Gortat at 55, I really like. Millsap at 7,000, and Chandler at 52, I like. Ubre at 42 for a tournament. Beal at 73, uh, while Otto Porter at 59 is much, much stronger on DraftKings than what he is over on Fangio. We've got one game to go to wrap up this Sunday night, Monday morning podcast. It's the Sacramento Kings against the Phoenix shit shows. What the hell can we expect from Phoenix? Who knows at this point? The Suns, miraculously favored by one and a half, and the total is 210. I guess it's the post-coach firing bump. Marquise Chris turned his ankle at the end of the Suns last game, so he's questionable at the moment, while Bogdan Bogdanovich has been upgraded to probable, hopefully, so he can make his NBA debut at point guard. Georgie Hill's at 5,600. Everyone crushes the Suns. So Georgie Hill at 5,600, yeah, uh, he can easily get 35 points here. Eric Bledsoe, he doesn't want to be here. He's at 7,200. They've got a good record against Sacramento, but I'd only be looking at him as a tournament sort of guy. Darren Fox has been killing it, but they've bumped his salary to 52, so that's taking a little bit of the value out of using him, whereas Tyler Ulis and Mike James, yeah, maybe Jamesy at 3,500 as the backup. He dropped 24 in the last game. He's averaging 19 so far this season, basically over a point per minute. He's producing, and at 3,500, I feel not too bad about Mikey James. At shooting guard, Garrett Temple, no upside there. Bud Healed at 48 tournament only, but don't like it. Devin Booker at 72, that is too highly priced. So the matchup here could enable him to go, go off, but only a tournament situation. Whereas Bogdan, I think his, um, ownership will be low. 3,800 for Bogdanovich, tournament, maybe. Small four, Joshie Jackson at 4,500. Um, good numbers in the last game. I'm okay with using him, but I feel more tournamenty with him. TJ Warren, eh, 5,600 is probably a little bit too high. At power Ford. Chris at 3,800. Well, the potential for him to blow through that is huge. The potential for him to shit the bed is huge also. So that makes him a perfect tournament sort of a guy. We don't know what the new coach is going to do, as I said at the top of the show. So there is a level of uncertainty there. Zebo at 5,500, I just don't like that. At all, and Scale Dragon Bender, they're just not going to play enough, I don't think, to have too much of an impact. Although Scale has been really good, but he just requires Zebo to either be on the bench or out or to have his minutes limited by a blowout, and that's what's enabled Scale to put up his numbers. Alex Len at 4,700, I feel pretty good about Alex Len. I think he should get more minutes in this situation, but again, it's a little bit unknown with the new coach. Whereas Will Coley Stein at 5,800. Great matchup against the Suns. Um, yeah, I'd throw him in a tournament, but I don't feel that the, the confidence in him for a, for a cash game situation. Over on DraftKings, um, I like Len at 41. I like Georgie Hill, Joshy Jackson, Bledsoe at 71 in a tournament. Devin Booker's a more reasonably priced, 68, and um, Bart at 53, I think I'll pass on him. Whereas Marquise Chris at 4,300, some value, but not quite as much as what he has over on DraftKings let's now take a look at the uh at the Aussie sites and give you know, some value plays for moneyball and um and draft stars we'll start off with uh we'll start off with um where are we with what's it called uh moneyball that's the one um Dylan Brooks three thousand dollars the Baptist John Collins three thousand dollars no-brainers Joshy Jackson 3500 no-brainer Delaney three thousand Jarrell Martin three thousand Stan Johnson 3500 DeLon Wright three thousand. Jeremy Lamb, 45. De'Aaron Fox, 3,000. There's just value just pouring out of this site. It's everywhere. Kelly Oubre, 3,500. Chrissy Middleton, 55. Joshie Richardson, 51. Jared Bayless, 35. Purtle, 3,000. Get on that. Broggo's at 58. Drummond's at 78. There are just so many guys all over the place on this site that can give you the value that you need. Jim Harden at ten eight, Jokic at 9,000. Not bad. Benny Simmons at 7,000. Just... Honestly, annihilate that price. That is huge. 11.3 uh, for Yarny. Um Yeah, some value in that as well. Ballinelli at 44, I love. Alex Len at 47, I think is pretty strong. Also, Bebe's at 3,000. Yeah, heaps of heaps of value. On draft stars, Dylan Brooks, 51. Kyle Anderson, 58. Delaney, Martin, Bayless, Ballinelli, Feral, Lamb, Chalmers. Value in all of those guys. Brogdon, Eric Gordon, Gortat, DeJounte, Tone Snell even. Uh, Alex Lenn. Jokic, again, is a tournament guy. Harden, Howard, Drummond, Simmons, Adidokumpo, Pirtles at fifty-seven fifty, which is a crazy, crazy price. There's a lot of value on these Aussie sites. Therefore, the scores are going to be really super high. All right, we are done with this. Don't forget, check out our sponsor, DraftKings, and use that promo code LOFB for your free entry into a contest to win a share of $10,000. Check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network, in particular, Locked On Sons, where Callan breaks down the news of the Earl Watson firing. Just to get to hear everything about that, about Jay Triano, Locked On Sons. We'll have that all for you. Leave a review for this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and on Spotify. And if you're on YouTube, subscribe. You can click my face. That'll pop up after this video. Give a thumbs up. Leave a comment. Hit me up on Twitter. Do whatever. Get the show out to as many people as possible. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Jonathan Isaac.